Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Dr. Jill Kushner-Bishop is the founder and CEO of Multilingual Connections, a Chicago-based company that provides translation, transcription, transcreation, multimedia localization, and research services in over 75 languages. She believes that every industry needs people who have linguistic and cultural competence. Companies spend so much time and energy on their international strategies that language can't be an afterthought. It has to be at the forefront of everything you're doing if you want to do it right. Welcome, Dr. Jill Kushner-Bishop. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Lily. It's great to be here. I'm super excited to have you. I love your background, by the way, that sun over there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's from a small town in Guatemala, as are actually pretty much everything on my shelf, the indigenous paintings, um, a branch that exploded when lava landed on it. Um, I wasn't there in the moment when it happened, but I saw it in the shop and I loved it. So uh, I have a few collections from travels. I love that background. It's beautiful. Thank you. Suits you well. All right. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. Absolutely. All right. So Jill, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Sure. So my background is in linguistic anthropology. So I was always really interested in language and culture, studying languages, wondering why some people spoke some languages, some didn't, and where the cultural side of things came into play as well. And so I originally studied to be a high school Spanish teacher. After a year, I decided that I wasn't ready. I felt like I had more in common with the high school students than with the other teachers in the cafeteria. So I went and traveled, I applied for graduate school, and I was lucky enough to be accepted into a doctoral program for linguistic anthropology. And that took me in all kinds of interesting directions, learning fascinating things, spending time with speakers of a dying dialect of Spanish. And I thought I would stay in academia, but I wound up getting a job back in Chicago as a user researcher. And it was interesting and different way of applying all of my education in a very practical way. And then little decisions that you take or that are made for you along the way that kind of take you in a different direction that you don't even know you're on. And 18 years ago, I started my company, Multilingual Connections. At the time, we were a language training company. We were going into hotels and restaurants and manufacturing facilities and teaching job-specific English to employees so that they could communicate more effectively at work, more safely, have a better chance of being promoted, and also communicate at home with their children's teachers and the community. And then things, again, grew and changed and grew and changed. And the company that I'm running now under the same name is a translation agency. We support 75 different languages for document translation, audio and video transcription, voiceover and subtitling. 
and as of about a year or two ago, bilingual moderation for market research. So it's been interesting to see this path and the company kind of evolve from something that I started and largely outside of my hands. No, it's interesting. As you started telling us about your journey, I wrote down Connector because, you know, you're interested in languages and culture. And to me, that says that you want to connect with people. And that's a passion of yours. You're also so open to possibilities, which shifted you in different right? And the connection point is not just about me connecting, but helping facilitate connections. And that's, you know, the name of our company and everything that we've done. And even though the services we offer are so different and different now to what we did before, it was always about helping create connections among people and in particularly across languages and cultures. And I get that very clearly. So your organization is called Multilingual Connectors. Is that right? Connections. Yes. Multilingual Connections. Tell us a bit about that, how it's different from others and how we can connect with you to get more information. Sure. So at our heart, we have been a translation agency for a bulk of the time. And so we work in 75 different languages. We have linguists around the world that are speakers of native language, regional expertise, industry expertise. Um, And so we are connecting our clients with the right linguists for the right project. So a medical translation for Spanish in the U.S., we're going to use very different translators, for example, than what we would use when we're helping companies market products to Spain or to Latin America that need to be creative copywriters and have marketing translation skills. And so it's all about finding the right people for the right project. So there's document translation, website apps, We do a lot of audio and video transcription of podcasts and interviews and focus groups and documentary footage in multiple languages, subtitling and voiceover. And then, as I mentioned before, we launched a service called Multilingual Moderation, given that so much of the work that we do supports market research. And oftentimes, market research agencies or internal research teams need a facilitator for interviews or focus groups that is an insider on both the language and the cultural perspective. So we have researchers in about 25 different languages that can jump in on projects and help make sure that the research is conducted in a way that really allows people to hear the authentic voices of their participants or of their market and make sure that things aren't lost in translation, as cliche as it sounds, but it's a cliche for a reason because things do get lost in translation. And it is absolutely true. Super important work. Now, where can we connect with you? Multilingualconnections.com and on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, probably Twitter. But I would say that the website is probably the best place to go. Multilingualconnections.com. Beautiful. All right. So as an expert connector, tell us why connecting is so important in leadership. Well, I think about when I feel like I became a leader instead of just an owner of a company. So for years and years, my focus was on my clients and helping my clients get what they needed. And then at some point it switched. And for me, the focus became about giving my people what they needed to be safe and secure and engaged and motivated. And in doing so, give my clients what they need seeing our employees as people that have particular needs that are personal and professional and that you can't separate them out in the workplace. You can't just focus on your people as employees or as headcount. It's as who they are, who they show up, how they show up and how comfortable they are being there that really makes them successful and by extension, you successful. And as a leader, connecting in that deep way and valuing your people, Mm -hmm. what can shift 
an employee from clocking out at five to going above and beyond because they know that you care. They know that they can trust you and that value them. So that's powerful. Yeah. And we've consciously developed a leadership team in the company that runs the day-to-day and the relationships that they all have with their teams is are really remarkable. And I think that's so important that their people want to do well because of the relationship that they have. Many, many years ago in a role, I had a boss who was all about her personal power and where we wanted to do well because of the relationship we had with her. And she knew that she would shine through her people And then when she left and a new boss came on, it was all about her positional power. And I didn't know the terms at the time, but it made so much sense that she wanted us to do what she wanted us to do because she wanted it. And she was willing to do anything to get that done. And the way that we responded to her as a team was incredibly different. I know for me personally, I didn't want to perform in that situation. And so it shouldn't be about the position of the person, but the person themselves that inspires people to want to work with them and together under them and through them. Absolutely. And this is why learning self-awareness and leadership skills is Super important. Absolutely. Great. All right. So as a lifelong learner, Jill, what are you learning right now? Well, I just picked up a book on psychological safety, and I've been also trying to learn about the role of mental health in the workplace. Uh, Pretty much everywhere I turn, there's another webinar, an article about mental health at work. And it's something that I don't think was really ever talked about and certainly not talked about as openly as it is. And, you know, Terrible things happen as a result of the pandemic, but there are some silver linings. And I think as a result of all of the challenges that many of us experience, there's much more openness about showing up as you are at work. And if you have mental health struggles, not having that be something that is hidden, but something that is discussed and supported and almost to some degree assumed that everybody in the organization at some point might go through moments of anxiety or depression or other challenges. And so figuring out how to support people who are going through that now and also be proactive to help prevent that from happening. And so I've been reading a playbook called Psychological Safety Playbook, Leading More Powerfully by Being More Human and just getting tips on how to help my people feel more safe and supported and heard through humor, through being open with your own emotions as a leader, and as always letting them know that you don't have all the answers and you need them to help find those answers and create those answers together. And so sometimes it's just little tidbits that you take away from a book or from a podcast or from a webinar that just kind of shift the way that you're thinking. And then it's a matter of figuring out how to put that into practice. But I'm really enjoying thinking about things differently and just taking some time away from work. I say that in quotes, you know, because this is all work. But the worky work that is the emails and the sitting at your desk in, you know, work mode as opposed to taking the space to read and develop yourself and also think about what I as a leader want my company to look like, what I want my own role to look like. So there's a lot of development happening or evolution that's happening. All right. So I love when um, guests feature or highlight certain books. So I'm assuming that this is something that you would recommend. Absolutely. It's by Carolyn Helbig and Minette Norman, and it's called The Psychological Safety Playbook. And it's light and easy and has cute little stick figures, uh, which always makes things more user-friendly. So yes, and I'm only halfway through, but it's a very quick read. 
Well, thank you for sharing what you're learning because that helps us. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Joe, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? So AI is a really fascinating and essential topic to be discussing right now. And for example, as a translation agency where technology is getting better and better all the time, and whether it's machine translation or GPT or others, our role right now is to figure out how to use it in the smartest possible ways and allow our people to be as human as possible. And so every project has a balance between technology and humanity. And it's not necessarily clear how that will look even in two months, much less two years. And so I think a challenge for us as leaders with so much conversation, so much excitement, and also so much fear around this of what this will do to our workforce and how much will we be able to automate and what roles will become obsolete and what roles will just shift. That's something that is concerning for me, interesting for me, and I think important for all of us to make sure that we're always thinking about where the humans fit into the equation. I've been to a number of conferences lately and everything is about AI. It can be a little overwhelming. You know, every vendor is talking about their AI solution. Half of the panels are about AI and it's all fascinating, but I would say we're at a crossroads, but I think there are going to be so many different crossroads in the near term that we, we can't even anticipate what those are right now. But we have to be thinking about the value that we provide our clients that can't be automated. Right. And absolutely that human touch Mm-hmm. It is leadership that matters. Now, what are you most hopeful about? Well, I'm hopeful that there will always be a place within my industry for the human side of things, especially when you're working in areas of nuance. And it may be that an employee handbook translated from English to Spanish, which is a very common request, maybe that's something that ultimately doesn't need much of a human touch. You might need the human for the interactions with the client, although that's going away too. There's so many places where this could be lost, but I still feel like human linguists are relevant to reviewing, making sure that things are proofed and polished, that things aren't lost, again, in that translation, um, but especially on the more creative side, the marketing side, translating movie titles and ad campaigns, you need to be able to really gauge whether there's cultural resonance. And at least at this point, I'm not sure that that can all be automated. And so I'm hopeful that there will be an interesting and fulfilling role for all of our people, but that at the same time, the more manual, less exciting, less engaging tasks can go away so that we can concentrate on being our best selves and doing what we do best and less of the manual processes that don't fulfill people as much. It's so funny. I feel concerned at the same time, excited because I know where there's concern and fear. There's also opportunities and possibilities for us to extend and grow, right? Even in spaces and ways that we never thought we could. Of course. So that is exciting. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) All right. So we have a surprise question from a former guest. Okay. Uh, Stephen Goldberg wants to know, what's the most challenging decision that you've made so far? that made you a better leader? It's a great question. 
And, and when I started my company, we were a language training company. So we started with workplace language training. So hotels, restaurants, manufacturing facilities, but then we moved into community-based training. We offered classes for adults and for children. We offered bilingual boot camp on the weekends and customized language tutoring and kids classes and camps and school programs and translations. And we were doing so much of so much. And I was trying to raise a child and be a partner and do right by all of these different divisions that in and of themselves could each have been their own company. And I knew that the language training programs were not ever going to be a moneymaker, even the opposite, that our translation services were funding the language training classes, especially the kids classes. And I could not for a long time make the difficult decision to close those services, even though I knew, and as many spreadsheets as I looked at, and as many sessions that we met with our consultants, I wasn't ready because the language training was so tied up in my own personal and my professional identity. And it was something that I valued so much that I had a hard time ever imagining that I could be fulfilled by just having a translation agency. And that was how I talked about it. You know, if I'm just running a translation agency, I just don't think that I can get that fulfillment. And it took a couple of years to finally make the decision. And I realized that I could be fulfilled by having a company that was financially viable, by paying the employees of the translation agency better because we weren't funding the language training, that I could show up better to work by having less to focus on and doing less and doing it better. And it took a really short bike ride one day, I think 24 minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm closing the language training company. I'm moving it from Chicago to Evanston. I turned around and I just went straight to the computer and started sending emails about this new change. And of course it was the right decision. But of course, every once in a while, we still get a call. Somebody's looking for Korean classes for their seven-year-old or private tutoring before a destination wedding. And it pulls on my heartstrings because it's something that I felt so good about offering. And there aren't a lot of other offerings like that or other companies near in the area that can do that. So it was really a really difficult decision to make, but it was the right decision for my company and for my people and ultimately for me. Isn't that interesting? You spend years and years mulling over and then something, and you know, something just clicks and I'm with you and I understand that dilemma. And so do you think that we can accelerate that or it's okay to take that journey? It's a good question. And I don't think there is really a right or wrong answer. I think it's really gray. I mean, obviously if you're hemorrhaging money, and there's no other option, then perhaps making that decision faster rather than slower makes sense. I think I needed the time. And so it was the right decision for me at the right time because I had to come to it fully, you know, not without regrets. It's not like I don't look back and say, I wish I could have done this, or I wish we had it a little bit more, you know, but I still know it's the right decision. So I know it was right. I'm still sad about it sometimes, but it was still the right thing to do. And it took me time, but then I was ready to do it. So I think you have to get comfortable with these decisions when they're major. Like this This was a complete change of my business. So much personal identity. So it took a while, but it happened. So everybody in their time. Everybody in their time. And it's interesting because as leaders, sometimes we come across situations where we have more vision for people than they have for themselves, right? Absolutely. And and we want them to make this choice and we get anxious about it. You need to make this decision. And we push and push when 
everybody has their journey. Everybody has their time and space and it is absolutely a part of our journey. So decision-making is important. And as a, you know, I do this color code personality and I'm a red type and a red color code motive type. Part of that is that we make decisions quickly. Okay. That has gotten me in trouble sometimes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Are there decisions that have taken you longer though, that you, that kind of betrayed your, your red? Absolutely. But choosing what's on the menu and then getting upset because someone else is taking a long time. That's me. (laughs) Um, But what I've learned is to take a moment, take a breath, Lily, sleep on it. And that's helped me tremendously to kind of slow it down. But I'm with you as far as, you know, other bigger decisions to make um, and taking your time that sometimes makes sense and having an inner circle that you can tap into. Absolutely. That's been so critical for me. I'm a member of a number of industry associations and we get together for leadership CEO roundtables. And I've been to lots and lots of conferences over the years, but the most valuable time that I spend at any conference, hands down, is the time I spend with other owners and C-level folks where we're just sharing experience asking questions, supporting each other. There's an unconference that we go to every year that's a day and a half and no sessions, no speakers. It's just table topics. And so you rotate from table to table with different people and it might be HR one time and operations or org chart or technology or cybersecurity. And everybody's just listening and sharing and supporting. And we're all technically competitors, at least to some degree, But in those moments, it's all about helping each other develop as professionals and as leaders and have more successful companies. So it's really wonderful time spent. The unconference. So when you go to the table, are there questions there already? Yeah, exactly. And so they've done them differently from time to time, but there are leading questions and then it's up to the table to decide how they want to do it. And so sometimes you could spend a half hour on one question and sometimes you decide to skip a bunch of them and you know, they don't resonate or there's something that's pressing that's not on the question list. Those are just conversation starters, but it doesn't have to start or end there. And it can cross every context. Uh, I go to some in the language industry. I go to some in the market research industry. And those times at the table, again, are just the best use of time possible. And it's really inspiring to hear how other people are approaching similar topics. And even if you're running completely different businesses, we all have similar struggles in certain ways and can learn from each other. It's peer-to-peer learning essentially. And so sometimes it's more focused. There are different organizations that have monthly peer groups that are chosen specifically based on who the different people are in the background. And those are facilitated on a monthly basis. And then there's the kind of like just all in conference type of approach and both value. Yes. All right. So As a listener of this podcast, Joe, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? Yeah, I would go back to that role of the human. And so with all of the developments in AI, where is the value of humans in your organization? And how are you going to make sure that that role continues to exist for them? How will you work to ensure their place at the table? In your organization, because obviously it's going to be very different from company to company and industry to industry. You know what, Jill? I love this question. It is powerful. It is going to take some thinking, right? We all need to think. Yes, it's timely. And certainly we'll pose it to upcoming guests. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? And I've been talking recently about the research that I did, my academic research among this community of speakers of this dying dialect of Spanish. It's spoken by the 
descendants of the Jews that were exiled from Spain in 1492. So over 500 years later, they're all around the world, but my research was in Israel. And I spent a lot of time with elderly people who were singing songs and telling stories, and they were alternating between multiple languages and different time periods. And there was a man named Vitali who joked one day that Ladino, the name of this language, Ladino was not just a language, it was a travel agency. And it was such an interesting comment that that wound up forming kind of the basis of my entire dissertation. And for those that are listeners that work multiculturally or multilingually and think about the power of language, that it crosses time and space and can bring people to so many different places and enact, help enact so many different aspects of their identity. And so as you're thinking about translation, for example, if you have a website and you want to put in the toggle with the dropdown in from Google Translate, you know, what might be missing? What are you not connecting with? But knowing the power of language and culture when you are taking some shortcuts, what might you be missing? And when you really take the time to hear the true voices of your markets or of your audience, what you might be gaining in exchange. And so the value of true listening across languages and the value of understanding culture through language. So those are just some things I'm thinking about. And very powerful stuff. So you spoke about true listening and what are the true voices and when we're really digging in, right, and asking those questions, it helps us to communicate better, to connect better, to relate better to each other. And certainly, you know, connecting that way to our audience is powerful. And, and uh, as leaders of multicultural organizations, whether all your employees are in the U.S. or they're international, you have people that speak other languages and come from other cultures, figuring out how to understand that and to leverage that and to celebrate it is really essential. Essential. And when leaders do that, when organizations do that, the receiver feels so valued. Yeah. And heard. Absolutely. And then there's a reciprocity that happens where we're like, yes, I want to connect with them. So Absolutely. a powerful way to end our conversation. Jill, thank you so much. You've added so much value to me and to our listeners. It's been Thank a- you so much. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you and have a great rest of your day. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.